Grace, mercy, and peace are yours. From God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Today we are in our final installment of the sermon series called Against All Odds. And and it makes sense in an Advent season to think about what's still to come, that Jesus is coming again, as much as it makes sense to think about his coming at Christmas. But the against all odds part is this. It's been 2,000 years since Jesus came the first time. And we might wonder, where is the coming that Jesus has talked about? And yet, through the word of God, we are anticipating that return of Jesus. And we live as if Jesus could return at any time. We're no strangers to anticipation. Think about the things that you might anticipate in your life. Maybe you anticipate uh, a birthday coming up or an event that you are going to attend, a, a shopping trip maybe, maybe Christmas. There's probably a few of you out there that know exactly how many days until the Christmas celebration. And I don't know exactly when it happened. My guess is maybe a dozen or so years ago where this switch began happening. But back in my childhood, which I know was a long time ago, an advent calendar had only one meaning. It was just a piece of cardboard that had little things in it that you would open windows. And sometimes they had Bible passages in them that would prepare you for Christmas. Sometimes little symbols of the Christmas story. And now today, an advent calendar has taken on all kinds of different meanings. Did you know, for instance, that there are advent calendars for nearly everything? You can get an advent calendar which has little boxes in it that pull out for a new bottle of wine every single day leading up to Christmas. But it's not just wine. You can get Legos. You can have dog treats put in them for your dog. You can get perfume and makeup and even beef jerky, believe it or not. You can get an advent calendar that has a sample of beef jerky in it for every day leading up to Christmas. And of course, my personal favorite, this company, Nomo, means no missing out. There is a chocolate, a new chocolate every day in that advent box for you to prepare your heart for Christmas. Maybe that's not the best way to to prepare for Christmas. But that anticipation is a good thing, isn't it? To wonder what the next day holds. Because that's the way Peter's going to encourage us us to live today. Thinking about what today, what tomorrow might hold, and joyfully anticipating our Lord's return. That's what we want to take from Peter today and these words from 2 Peter chapter 3. That we are anticipating Jesus' Return. And, and as we anticipate that return, first of all, Peter reminds us to be careful how we live. And then he says we also get to live joyful. Joyful because we know a new home is coming. Listen again to the first verse and a half from uh, Peter's words in 2 Peter chapter 3. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. Maybe we first have to understand what Peter's talking about when he says, since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of destruction is he speaking of? If you go back to the verse right before our text, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10, we see that Peter is talking about the last day. And as he speaks about the last day, he says that day of the Lord will come like a thief, unexpectedly. But he goes on. He says, the heavens will disappear with a roar. 
The elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Doesn't it make you almost shudder just a little bit to think about what that's going to look like at the end of the world? What kind of destruction is going to come on this earth? What kind of force it's going to take to upend and uproot and lay bare everything in this life? And maybe our fear, at least at first, is a good thing. To be in awe of what God can do, to be in awe of what that last day will hold. But there's more, isn't there? When we think about that last day, what God wants us to consider is the relief that that last day will bring. The relief in knowing that everything that we face in this life, all of the trials and tribulations, the ups and downs, those will be gone. And so Peter, as he thinks about this last day, thinks about how we live in this world waiting for that last day to come. He asks a question, poses this question, what kind of people ought we to be? Now that we know and we anticipate this coming of Jesus, how should we live? How should we live our lives? I'm not sure what it was like at your house, but I'm guessing some of you hosted Thanksgiving. Or if you went to somebody else's house, you probably understand that there was a measure of cleaning that probably happened before everybody came over. Right? Maybe your house is not a disaster or anything like that, but when you have people coming to your house, you want to make sure that you present your house in the best way possible. You clean it up. Isn't that exactly what Peter is saying about our lives? That he wants us to dust the cobwebs out of the corners of our hearts and minds, sweep away the things that so easily entangle us? In effect, what Peter is saying to us is we need to take a good look at our hearts and, and what's in there, and how easy it is to not let go of the sins that are our favorite ones, the ones that we kind of dismiss, the ones that we say, well, maybe they're not that big of a deal. Jesus once spoke about how serious sin was when he said this, if your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It's not that Jesus wants us to walk around without hands and eyes, but he's stressing the seriousness of sin when he says this, it's better to enter life maimed than to lose your life forever. Really, Peter's saying the same thing. We know Jesus is coming back. We're anticipating that return. And we want to have hearts that are prepared for Jesus to come. One more interesting thing that Peter says as he's talking about how we live our lives. He actually says this, that, that we can look forward to that day and speed its coming. A lot has been written about exactly what Peter means. What does it mean that we can speed the coming of the last day? Maybe we should start with this. From God's perspective, that day is already decided. He knows all things. He knows when the last day is going to happen. We aren't changing God's mind in that sense. But perhaps we can understand by the responsibility, the joyful opportunities that God has given us as we live our lives in this world, that there is a way to speed the coming of the end, at least from our perspective. Jesus told his disciples and tells us to go and make disciples of all nations. That's what he wants. Or in Matthew chapter 24, as Jesus spoke about the end, he said this, 
And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it, and then the end will come. One of the marks of the end times is that God is going to gather all of his believers together. Everyone is going to have a chance to hear that message of salvation so that God can gather his believers and then Jesus will return. So as we live our Christian lives, as we speak about our Savior, as we let our light shine, that's when the day of the Lord can be hastened, can come sooner. Maybe it's a good reminder for us just to think this way, and, and, and maybe I won't be critical of the first way, because we, we do think, I, I believe, we think of church as a place where we come to have peace, right? To kind of escape what's happening in the world out there, and that's a good thing. But maybe more than just getting away from the evils in the world and, and hiding out somewhere, maybe this is a little bit better. Maybe it's better to think of a church as a place to come to find healing, to find encouragement, to find strength, to find inspiration, to hear what God has done for us so that we in turn then can share that message with others. That's what Peter is stressing in these words, to live, to live our lives while we're here on this earth in joyful anticipation of what is yet to come. Listen to how he says it in verses 12 and 13. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. Have you asked yourself this question before? As you read through scripture, as you hear things like what Peter is saying here, well, well where? Where is heaven going to be? Where is this heaven that God is talking about and where will we live forever? You see, Peter presents two, at first, seemingly contradicting ideas. First, he talks about annihilation, right? He talks about the elements disappearing. And, of course, he's not talking about the periodic table. Those things would not have been around, as Peter wrote. But the basic building blocks of life, right? Think about what that means, that things that we take for granted as permanent, things like mountains and oceans that are going to be completely gone when Jesus comes again. That's what Peter describes, this annihilation. Not to make us afraid, because the loving arms of our Heavenly Father always protect us, even from an awful day like that last day. But then Peter speaks in another way. He speaks about restoration. There's going to be this new heaven and this new earth where righteousness dwells, he says. Where will that be? Could it be possible that after God wipes out the world in its present form, after he takes care of the sin that infects and affects every part of this life, that the new heaven and new earth will be right here on a restored earth? It certainly fits what Peter is saying. In the end, it doesn't matter. In the end, it doesn't matter where heaven is located. The Bible doesn't specifically tell us, but it does tell us this. What God is preparing, that new heaven and that new earth, it will be beautiful. It will be beautiful because of what won't be there. What won't be there is sin and all of its effects. The frustration that you and I feel every day as we try to do the good things we want to do and yet the evil things that we don't want to do, those are right there with us. But it's not just our sin. It's the division, the violence, 
the crime, all of the things that go on in this world, the pain and sorrow, the diseases, everything that people suffer in this life, those will be absent in the new heaven and the new earth. That's what we're waiting for. And so maybe we think to ourselves, well, what's God waiting for? It's been 2,000 years. Why hasn't Jesus come back? And how soon can we expect him to come? Maybe let's put that in perspective just a bit. And the easiest way I could put it in perspective for myself, and I pray this helps you as well, is by talking about food. You see, there's a difference, isn't there, in our expectations when we're in the McDonald's drive-thru as compared to dining on the Capitol Square at a nice steakhouse like Rare. When we go to the McDonald's drive-thru, we expect our food to be done as soon as humanly possible. And if we're in the drive-thru for longer than a minute or so, that's probably too long. It's called fast food for a reason, right? And yet if you take a fine dining experience and you sit down at the table and you order your dinner, there's an expectation that you're going to have to wait a little bit to make sure that what you ordered is made exactly to your specifications. And it's going to come out and it's going to be beautiful dinner, something that you have waited for that will be worth it. Maybe that's a good way to think about what God is waiting for. He's not finished with his work yet on this earth. And as we wait, God promises us that it's worth it. Because what he has prepared for us, this new heaven and this new earth, is better than anything this world has to offer. Peter finishes up with this thought. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Make every effort, Peter says. You see, it's worth it. It's worth it when we keep things in the proper perspective. It's worth it when we don't forget what our Savior has waiting for us, when we don't lose our focus, when we remember that this world is temporary, but, but what we have in the new heaven and the new earth that will be forever. And so we do remember how we stand before God, spotless, blameless, and pure. Not on our own. If we were left to ourselves, that book of life would be completely absent of all of our names. But because of Jesus, because of his perfect, spotless life, because he spilled his blood on a cross for you and me, you are assured that your name is written in the book of life and that you will have that life forever. We rejoice daily in the status that God has given us through Jesus as his own sons and daughters, as heirs of an eternal life with him. And we can live every day in joyful anticipation that a Savior is coming that's going to usher us into that new heaven and that new earth forever. Yes, it will be beautiful. All the things that are gone will make heaven beautiful. All of the absence of the sorrows and troubles and trials of this life. But even more, the joy will be that we will be together with the Lord. The Apostle John in Revelation 21 spoke about those two things so clearly. The joy of, of being with God and the joy of the absence of the things of this life. Here are the words he wrote. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, 
and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. That's what we have to look forward to through our Savior, Jesus. What can you take with you from Peter's words today from 2 Peter? First of all, number one, we anticipate Jesus coming by living our lives according to his word. The Apostle Paul wrote a lengthy section in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 about the last day. And as he spoke about the last day, he says this, God did not call us to live impure lives, but to live godly lives in the light of what Christ has done for us. Number two, we anticipate Jesus coming by remembering his saving work for us. That's what assures us of the new heaven and new earth and the place that we have. In that same 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, Paul said it this way, We believe Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with him all those who have fallen asleep in him. Finally, number three, we anticipate Jesus coming as we look forward to our eternal home. As he finishes up that section in 1 Thessalonians, Paul writes this, And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. I'm not sure how much time you spend reading the Peanuts comic strip or if you've seen any of the Peanuts shows, but, but if you know a little bit, you probably have a pretty good understanding that Charlie Brown isn't always a pocket full of sunshine. He's got a little bit of a pessimistic attitude toward life. And I found this little cartoon pretty telling. Here's a conversation between Charlie Brown and Snoopy. Someday we will all die, Snoopy. And he's right, isn't he? That will happen. Every day that we live in this life, here's a cheery thought for you today, is one day closer to our last day in this life. But don't you love Snoopy's response? And isn't this exactly what Peter is saying to us? True, but on all the other days, we will not. See, that's what Peter wants for you and me, to live confidently in who we are a child of God, and where we're headed to that new home of righteousness, the new heaven and the new earth. You see, God has given us opportunity to live every day in this life for him as we let our light shine, knowing that our eternal future is secure. We anticipate his coming, and that anticipation is better than any advent calendar in this life because we will be with our Lord forever. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding will guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.